What's up, everybody? It is your boy, Hardball Harge. Uh, once again, shout out to the guys, Chaos Theory. Those guys have done a great job leading up to hanging with Harge. As you know, welcome to Texas Sports Unfiltered. It is your boy, Hardball Harge. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Hardball Harge. You can also follow Texas Sports Unfiltered at TSU Unfiltered. Make sure you hit a like subscribe, do everything you can to help promote. As I said before, tell five friends and have those five friends tell another five friends and continue to let everybody know. We're making a big push to make it to this spot. Shout out to my man, CB. What it do? What it do up in Seattle? My man is up there. He's the biggest fan that I know that can always multitask. So make sure you hit us up. I also want y'all to remember yesterday's show, we started it off by talking about um, what would you expect besides the victory, besides the victory, what would you expect going into, uh, coming out of that Alabama game? I'm having my man, Michael Felder join us in just a minute. He breaks down film like no other, and he will tell you his likes and dislikes about everything that's going on with this game. Uh, obviously we're going to be talking a lot about the Texas Rangers and Houston Astros. Uh, what a remarkable turn of events and I'm going to tell my thoughts on what has made the change for the Houston Astros we'll do that after we talk to our man Michael Felder we're also going to talk NFL NFL is right around the corner folks it is that time I must say this is one of the most exciting times for me because as I said in my tweet last week before I started here with Texas Sports Unfiltered everybody starts the season thinking that they have a chance until they don't. And that is the thing that always cracks me up because I'm one of those guys too. You sit back, you think you do all the research, you break it all down. We have my man Wags just a second ago talking about fantasy sports and how this all plays into it. He's the fantasy guy. If you want to know more about fantasy, go see my man Wags because he is the one that will get you ready and try to put a little money in your pocket as the seasons goes on. That's one thing he can't control. He can't control what happens on the wins and the losses, but he can put you in the right position with the players. And without, with all that being said, let me go in and bring in my guy because I know he's a busy, busy man. Uh, he has been around. He is one of my favorite people. He is uh, joining right now, hanging with hearts. He is an aspiring chef in his free time. <laughs> but he's better known for breaking down film and telling it like it is. He is my guy. Michael Felder, you can follow him at In the Bleachers on X, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> my man, Mike Felder. What's going on, my brother? How you doing? Man, I listen, I had a busy morning. I got up, took my kid to school. I put in four miles, and then, um, you know, and then I had to sew up one of her dresses because she got a hole in one of her favorite dresses. So your boy's out here doing everything, and I got to get ready for Pizza Wednesday. But, man, I, I'm excited. Uh, for this game we got coming up because I just listen I'm trying to cover every base my dog <laughs> I know I know and that's why I wanted to break it down with you because I know the time and the effort you were doing so much stuff over at stadium yep. you were doing you were breaking down film and and giving everybody the keys to the victory and basically seeing where the flaws were you're a former college athlete you played college football at North Carolina I'm going to ask you about your Tar Heels a little bit, see what you're thinking about our man Mac Brown doing his thing. Yeah. But I'm just curious to what your evaluation was for both teams week one. You know, there's always jitters. 
Punk fans around here are still pissed off at Quinn Ewers and still yeah. not. Texas didn't play that flawless game that everybody was hoping for. But is there some light that can be shed on both teams? I mean, here's the thing. 19 for 30 is not bad. And now the air yards, I want more air yards out of him. That's what I do. I want more air yards. But at the end of the day, you get worthy. He comes out and he has a good game. Whittington, I know that he's going to get the ball more as we get through the season. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, I want to see the run game more than anything. And that's the part that kind of stood out to me was dominating at the line of scrimmage. I want to see more of that. If that's, if that's what we're talking about with respect to Texas, I want to see them dominate at the line of scrimmage more. This should have been a game, and I think about it with respect to Michigan. I think about it with Georgia. Mm-hmm. And those are two teams that, guess what, when they when they play a team like a Rice, they decide, guess what, we don't have to throw. We could just run every play and keep in it and we'll win. And that's the part that you've got to kind of grow into uh, if you're Sark, if you're Texas, if you're, if you're this football team. So I think that's going to be interesting to see how that shakes itself out. The other thing for me, you flip it over to the Alabama side, and they played Middle Tennessee, and, and here's the reality, man. Middle t- Middle's not in a good spot. They're not. They're nowhere near where they used to be. They were. They were right. good three, four yes. years ago. Yes, <laughs> and they're not there. But I guess Alabama has decided Milrow's going to be the guy, and I don't think they ran the ball particularly well either. Milrow is their leading rusher. Like, right, right. You, you, what you don't want to have is your quarterback be your leading rusher. <laughs> and also throw for under 200 yards. So I think these are two teams that still aren't sure of who they are. And we got to take that into reality. And going into that game, going into this game, excuse me, like we've got to realize that they're still trying to find themselves. So I don't think that this game is a defining moment for either team because I don't think they know who they are. But I do think it's an important game, same as Florida State and LSU. It's an important game to set the narrative for where we are going into going forward through the season. Texas wins this football game. They all, all they can say, all they have to say is we beat Alabama. We beat Alabama. Same thing with Florida state, right? Not only did they beat LSU, they gave LSU the work. And so they get to walk around and say, Hey, we beat LSU our last year's reigning sec West champ. So I think the winner of this game is going to feel like they're in a good spot, even though they're not going to be what they want to be going towards the end of the season. We're talking to Michael Felder. Make sure you give him a follow at In The Bleachers on X, formerly known as Twitter. And I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up about the perspective of both yeah. of these teams and, and how people are viewing this game in particular. Obviously, they're headed. Uh, game day is headed there. Yep. Uh, Texas does not play well on game day. As a matter of fact, I think they might be one and seven with game day in the house. So that's that's already working against you. And as former baseball player, I'm yeah. all into the superstitions. So I got to pay attention to some of those things. But in perspective, I look at it and say, okay, you brought it up. They didn't throw for a bunch of yards. Their, their, their quarterback was the leading ground grinder for Texas. I mean, yep. for Alabama. Alabama yep. Look at what Texas wasn't able to do. We did see some flashes. You saw uh, Cedric Baxter break outside with a 32-yard run. I think probably one of the most explosive runs we've seen in quite some time. Then you also look at the fact of what X-Man was able to do, Xavier Worthy. Looked like he was more energized. Looked like he was ready to play. And the biggest play in the game that a lot of people really don't talk about was the punt return that he had to set it up for a 21-yard punt return, but it was an electric punt return, and that's something that's kind of scary. He always scares me, by the way, when he's back there returning punts. Because my man does not believe in the fair catch. He no, he does not. And it's he will he will catch them. There are guys breathing down his neck, and he's still going to catch it and try to go. So, yeah, I totally agree. 
yeah, he, he makes me nervous. But with all that being said, the 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 momentum for this game heading, you know, for people to be clear about is what you talked about. Where are we going? What can you leave this game with and be in a positive manner, win or lose, positive yeah. manner or in a negative manner? And I believe that the offensive line, which returned five starters, yep, you had all of your guys there and you had an inferior defensive line from yep. from a Rice that you still didn't get that big time push. Yeah. Now, Coach Sarko Monday said that is something that can be corrected. Some of its technique, some of its laziness. So there are certain things, and and we expect it to get better because that's what Texas does. But is that something that we need to pay even more attention to when you start looking at them big defensive linemen for Alabama? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Like you can say, listen, we can be corrected. Some of it's late. Listen, if laziness is on your table and it's game one, you got yeah. a problem. And yeah. listen, I'll go to I'll go to Clemson here, who's in my neck of the woods. They didn't execute. They got lazy. They got sloppy. They got their behinds whipped by Duke, and that's not supposed to happen because that roster don't compare. We're right. looking at two equal. I would say equal, maybe Bama a little better roster. So to me. I understand they knew they were going to beat Rice, but you also got to go out and dominate. It's one of those things, and I do a lot of NFL draft stuff too, and one of the things that I always look at is how do you play against um, – I'm not going to call them inferior. How do you play against lesser competition? Okay. And then when you look at guys that are coming from FCS or D2, how do they play against those same guys? Are you an NFL guy? If you play D2, if you play FCS – you better every snap be dominating everybody the entire time. Yep. And then if you're Alabama, you're Texas, you're Georgia, you're Ohio State, you're Michigan, I, USC is another one. That I mean, goodness gracious, I could go forever on them because what they're doing on defense is pathetic. It is um, it's awful. It's, it's awful. And I'm I today is today is my day where I go back and I got to chart their their um, explosive plays that they've given up. And I got so I got to rewatch this Nevada game, and it's gonna it's gonna break my soul for how bad they are. But. <laughs> At the end of the day, the big thing that I look at is if you are supposed to be the superior team, you should dominate that team that doesn't belong on the field with you. And they didn't do that. And that's the part where you can say, listen, if it's coaching, guess what? That's a you problem, Sark. Yep, yep. If it's laziness, that's also a you problem, Sark. So if you're letting guys be lazy in games and have bad coaching happen, that's a coaching problem. And so I, like, I'm not going to blame a 20-year-old for doing something wrong. I'm not going to blame a 20-year-old for getting away with what he can get away from or get away with, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna blame the coaches. And so the big thing for me is I want to see more out of them. And, and maybe it's one of those things where they're looking ahead to this next game, right? Yeah. And that's where you have to, as a coach, you have to get these guys focused in, laser focused on what they're supposed to be doing. That's the thing that we know that Nick Saban does very well. Uh, his kids did not look ahead to this game. I don't think they played very well, but they also did not look ahead to this game. And they know that this game matters, but they had to take care of business week one. And that's something, again, Clemson did not take care of business. Texas took care of business. They did get the W, which yeah. is fantastic. That's Listen, there is nothing better than coming out of week one at 1-0. One and oh. No there doubt. Nothing better. I don't care how you get there. As long as you get there, yeah. nothing better than coming out at 1-0. and oh. So that's good. But the key for me is going to be how do you take this big step? Because I mean, whew, like, and listen, I, I'm not, I'm not even making light of it. Like, coming out at one and zero is important. Look at Baylor. Look at TCU. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Both of them schools are there. Listen, they're dragging their hind leg. They limping in. 
to week two. Like, yeah. oh, what happened to it? Literally lipping in because they lost Baylor lost their quarterback. Yep. Blake yeah. Shipp, Blake yeah. Shapin is out. And so they, they got to figure out what's gonna happen next. And it's this is Dave. We thought I thought Baylor was gonna have a bounce back here. Yep. So did I. So did I. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they like, man, whoo. What are you? <laughs> what are we supposed it, to do? It goes back to what we were talking about. It's about them trenches. You've got yes. to be able to have those trenches, and that's where yes. Baylor had their success for a long time. Yep, those trenches were were vital to their success because they had the bodies in there. Now yep. they're searching for those bodies again, yep. and that's where I'm at with Texas. Texas has the bodies. They're 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 SEC ready to go. Yep. Their bodies are there. That I'm I'm so impressed with the recruiting that Sark has done. Well, now it's the time for us to go out there and put it on the field and lay it out there. And there's the saying out there, and I know you know about it, good teams win, great teams cover. Yes. And and right now they don't seem to be – they they didn't do that. They, right. they had a – to me, they had 458 yards of offense. The defense played well, only gave up 149, 3.5 a play. I mean, they were, they were great. Yeah. They were great, but – you sit here and you look at it and you know that Rice is an inferior opponent and you couldn't get half a hundred on them. You know, those are the types of things that we're looking at because of how much now you did lose Bijan, you did lose Rojo, but you had 10 of 11 starters back, including your quarterback who was in the middle of a Heisman campaign during the off season. His name is out there. Everybody's pushing for him. And I still thought he'd play well. He's obviously got to hit that deep ball, make it better yeah. for X Man. I don't think he truly understands how fast X is in the games. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yes. You've been you played on yeah. the field, and there are some guys you look on film and you're like, man, he's fast. But then when he go and play him, you're like, no, he is fast, fast. Yes, exactly. And I and think he X is, is one of those guys. He's super fast, and that's why when we see these underthrows, which and this is here's one of my things as a defensive back. The best thing for me is watching a quarterback underthrow a guy. Because an opportunity. Because if I'm beat, now all of a sudden I'm in the play again. Yep. And there's nothing more in college football, miss long. In college football, miss long. Because the defensive backs aren't that good. The quarterbacks aren't that good. The wide receivers aren't that good. So if you miss long, at least if your wide receiver is fast, he's got a chance. If you miss short, you're hoping for a pass interference, maybe, but at the end of the day, if you got a guy that's savvy as a defensive back, if you miss short, now all of a sudden you're in, you're inviting somebody else into the play, and that's the part that's going to be really interesting to see over the course of this season. I, I, I do like that you mentioned the defense. Defense played really well. Um, I, what did they have? They had five. I mean, I want to see more activity yeah. behind the line of scrimmage. Correct. But at the end of the day, that's maybe also them holding things back, and that's the other part that's really hard about week one is especially week one games where you know you're going to win anyways. Yep. Like you don't have to really worry about it. What are you holding back? So I'm looking forward to that um, because I want to see them get pressure. I want to see them – I want to see – I want to see Texas have a double-digit sack guy. Yep, I want to see them – You I and everybody see. else. You and everybody else have been begging for that. Who's the last one? Jackson Jeffcoat? Is that Jackson right? Jackson Jeffcoat is the last one. That's a long time. Yeah, he's playing in the U in the CFL, getting championships up there. But yeah, yeah you are right. I thought last year, I thought Baron Sorrell was going to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been begging for Alfred Collins to be a dude that yeah. can show up because he's the first one. I always say he's the first one I want off the bus. 
because I want everybody sure. to look at him and say, man, everybody's coming like that. Uh, looks good, but you're, man, production. you're looking at a guy too, Anthony Hill, but he's a freshman. You're still trying to develop him. Colton mm -hmm. Vosick, and I mean, excuse me, uh, Ethan Burke. Ethan Burke looked really good this past weekend. He's got that lean. He's got that leverage. Um, he may be one of those guys that can get there because he's unassuming, I guess you sure. would say, because he doesn't have a lot of bravado about him. He just goes out there and goes to work. So maybe that's the guy. But you're right. We're we are craving that type of performance on the defensive line, but it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time, and that's what you have to have. I think if listen, and here's the thing: this isn't picking on Texas. Correct. You you look at Clemson. Clemson had dudes on that defensive front, right? Especially on the interior for them, more than even on the outside. Like they they had Grady Jarrett and they had Christian Wilkins, and then they had that year where they had um, uh, Cleveland Farrell and they had nope. nope. The Austin David. They had all these guys that could just play on the defensive front for a ba basically a decade. They had guys up front, and I'm I, I'm I'm putting them in the same boat as Texas is like we got to find some dudes. Right. The good thing is. Texas has the dudes that Clemson doesn't have, which is at the wide receiver spot. Because Clemson's wide receivers, to borrow the parlance of Gen Z, are mid. <laughs> and so mid. Mid. So it's my it's, son would say they sus. Yeah, they bruh. They sus, bruh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's gonna be interesting to see how this all takes form. Uh for, for me, for Texas, I want to see, like, I like, I like that linebacker group. Yep. I think the secondary, I, I'm still kind of arm's length, waiting to see what they look like against real competition. But up front, they've got to have somebody that decides to step up, somebody that decides, hey, I'm going to be the dude. I'm going to be the man. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to go get these sacks. I'm going to be a penetrator. And guess what? If you don't have that dude, you can do, and this is the part, mm -hmm. you can do what TCU did, right? Mm -hmm. Not this year, last year. Right, right. right. <laughs> Not this year, last year. But you can create – opportunities by being able to hit hit space create opportunities by being able to slant stem do all those things uh sark is running too much rpo which can affect the offensive lines drive uh i won't daryl do you mind if i answer this go ahead yeah 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 that's what that's why i, I posted it i don't think i don't think he's running too much rpo i think rpo is what gives him space in the run game so right. i understand your question where they don't power off the line but the reality of it is when they call design run plays they also aren't firing off the ball yeah, they didn't and fire the off when we knew that they were going to run the ball yeah they're, yeah John they're Nick. not they're not moving bodies so the rpo isn't the issue especially because when you run an rpo you still fire off the ball the goal is for the quarterback to get the ball out in those first two yards first three yards yeah. so that you don't have to worry about them you about getting an illegal man downfield so i know yeah. i don't think that's the problem yeah. great answer great answer but let me ask you this what 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 are what are your keys for this game for each team? I want to go with Alabama first because of the fact Jalen Milrow, you know, he mm -hmm. beat out those other two guys. I was a big fan of Jalen Milrow when he was Same. first recruited to the University of Texas yes. with uh Tom Herman. And then he committed to Steve Sarkeesian at Alabama. Alabama. And so, you know, Sark is in the middle of this deal looking at a guy that he he was fond of that he thought was going to be a big part of that. So what are your keys to the game for tech for Alabama and then Texas? So for Alabama one, I want to see the wide receivers be more involved, which is challenging. We talked about that Texas secondary. Mm -hmm. I want to see them challenge them. And by challenge, I don't mean screens. There's two things that I hate. 
I cannot stand garbage time stats for quarterbacks. And I hate screen stats for quarterbacks because if you are running a screen, that's the easiest throw. We call them long handoffs. And then the wide receiver, the offensive line, the other wide receiver, they're doing all the work. The quarterback didn't do anything. He just got the ball out of his hand. All he had to do was get the ball out of his hand. So I don't count. I don't, I never check those. So what I want to see is balls down the field for, for Alabama. If I want to see them challenge this Texas secondary. And it's important on two levels because remember when we, we, we just talked, we talked about a little bit with Clemson. We talked about it with Xavier, uh, with, with, with X-Man. But here's the thing. Alabama, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, uh, Calvin Ridley. Um, 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 Ruggs. J- Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddell, Jamison Williams, dudes, all yeah. dudes. Yeah. And they found a way to find those dudes and get those dudes open. You got to find out if you've got dudes. Because whether you win or lose this game on Saturday, you're going to have to play LSU. You're going to have to keep pace with Tennessee. And by the way, Tennessee, boy, they Woo! are cooking. Yeah. You're going to have to. You're going to have to score because you you no, can score. score. Yep. You can score 56 against Middle Tennessee, but can you score 56 against Tennessee? Right. Because that's going to matter. So that's what I'm looking for out of this team. I know I love Dallas Turner and I love what they bring defensively. I know they've got, but flip it over. Texas better challenge that secondary for sure. Three safeties got picked in the NFL draft for Alabama. Three of them. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? Because if you're dinking and dunking and not pushing and pumping, are you scared? No. And what are you scared of? No. Because these guys – so I think it's the same thing for both teams for different reasons. If you're Texas, the reason you want to push it vertical is because they lost – so much draft capital in the secondary. I know they got Kool-Aid McKinstry, and I love Kool-Aid. I think he's amazing. He can't cover everything. And Kool-Aid was getting cooked last year against the University of Texas in this game last year yeah. when, when Quinn was hitting on all cylinders. And even Bingo. when Card had to come in, they weren't a, they weren't going away from him. They were challenging him. Right, and then and Tennessee also challenged him. Yep. So, so – you got to push because they lost all. If you lose Jordan Battle and you lose Helms and you lose, uh, what was it Brian Branch? You lose those three guys, you better challenge that team down the field. Yeah, because you almost had them last year with those guys on the field, with them on the field, exactly. And these guys, yeah. this for these guys that are in the game now, it's their second game, yeah. number two. Go yeah. get them. And then the other thing for me, and we mentioned it before that offensive line, what do they look like against Alabama's defensive line? Because you better show up, man, because they are – if you think Nick Saban ain't, ain't yelling at them boys right now at practice, <laughs> letting them know, like, hey, man, I need you. Yeah. I don't – because here's the thing. I know he doesn't trust those guys in the back end yet. He doesn't. Yeah. He he knows he's got the he, – he's got the clay to create a great statue, but at the end of the day, the statue not there quite yet. Correct. He got to get there. He's like, I, listen, it's way, it's way easier for me to cut you guys loose, go get that quarterback, than it is to get them playing in space to make all the right plays. Correct. So I think that's going to be the interesting part, that offensive line versus that defensive line. Alabama's defensive line, Texas's offensive line, they're, they're going to have to stand up because they're going to bring some pressure. And Dallas Turner's going to be a part of that pressure, and they're going to go out there and, what is it, Quandarius Robinson? Like, these guys are going to get after 
Yeah, they're going to have to bring it. And and I believe that, you know, a lot of people have been talking about Texas playing down to their competition. And I've been saying they also play up to their competition. Sure. So this is going to be one of those those wheels of, of who wants to be the man in yes. this game. And what's the what's the measuring stick? I thought earlier this week in the press conference, Sark seemed a little, you know, snappy on some of the questions. Sure. And I'm like. I laughed because I thought it was – I was like, perfect, because this game week, and he knows what's out there. Yep. He knows there was a missed opportunity from last year's game, and he knows that if he can go out there and get this victory, this can change the narrative and catapult Texas into the conversation, kind of like what you talked about yes. with Florida State and LSU. It's yep. that conversation to where it's like, ooh, did you see the way they played in that game? And here's where they are now. So I'm looking forward to that. But one of the questions before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, I know that you're a busy man. As I said before, make sure you follow him at In the Bleachers. He'll he'll show you some food, too. He'll make sure he cook you up some. You heard him at the very beginning. He was talking about Pizza Wednesdays. Yes. So he's trying to get that popping as well. But what what is your biggest takeaway from Colorado, Deion Sanders, and what they were able to do against TCU? Shador uh, Sanders can play at any college. He always could have. He was being recruited by the big power five schools he decided he wanted to go play with his dad and then of course you know Ty, uh, uh hunter travis hunter yep. being the superstar that he is what were your thoughts and takeaways from that tcu debacle so i got four <laughs> buckets right gotcha. first one shador amazing like he's a really good confident quarterback he understands what he's supposed to do the play calling around him was Phenomenal. Yeah, Sean, Lewis, Sean Lewis deserves a gold star for what he for did. Sure. And I, I also think that goes to Dion because yep. and, and not I'm not I'm not taking it away from Sean Lewis. What I'm saying is Dion realizes what defensive backs don't like. Yep. And they call plays that do that. Yeah. <laughs> True. True. And then next bucket, Travis Hunter. I don't know if it's sustainable, but they absolutely needed him to play that well to win. They had four guys go for hundred yards, but they needed his hundred yards yep. and 129 snaps. They needed that to win. Two or excuse me, three. They are still small. Yep. They are they are small. That team is small. Like they, when TCU when TCU figured out they were in a football game, <laughs> when they were like, oh wait, oh we, they're not going to lay down for us. We got to fight. Right. We got. When fight. they realized that, and they decided to hulk up up front, their big guys up front, specifically on their defensive line, were much bigger than the offensive line for Colorado. So I wonder what that looks like over the course of the season. And then four, we'll end with Coach Prime. And Prime is, I love what he says. I love the way he talks. I was skeptical. I didn't know if it was going to work. I thought that it was the combination of, I don't know if he can coach. He hasn't checked every box. I got friends that coach. Yep. Okay? I got friends that coach. I have friends that are waiting to get a coordinator job, that are waiting to get the head co- a head coach's job at a small school. I, I played football with Arthur Smith, who's the head coach of the Falcons. Like, right. I, I know the path that it takes to get there, and he's Dion skipped the line. So I wasn't sure if he was going to be good or not. And he showed up, and he showed down, and he supports those kids. And I will say this. I was watching it, – it, 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 it wasn't the Matt Barnes podcast with Dion. It was the one – he did another podcast, SVGN or something like that. Yeah. And he, um, he talked about believing in yourself. And he said that um, – he said, my mom had to work, so she never came to my games. My stepdad never came to my games. I never had anyone there to support me at my games. I had to believe in myself. Right. And he goes, and that's the energy that I'm bringing. Basically, he said, that's the energy I'm bringing to these kids. 
We don't have to worry about the media believing in us. We don't have to worry about our fans believing in us. We don't have to worry about All we have to worry about is us believing in us because we ain't got nobody outside this room but ourselves. And it was just – it kind of stood out to me as like, yeah, I mean, he's done it himself the whole time. He, he Even in that interview, he goes, I was an all-state baseball player, got drafted by the Kansas City Royals, and my family wouldn't show up to my game. Right, right. <laughs> and so – it was a really, it's a cool perspective. It's a not cool. It's not a good. Like, it's it's a it's an interesting perspective and an interesting window into his life and the why he is the way that he is and whether it's being very unapologetic about it too. Unapologetic. Yes, unapologetic. And I under and it makes you understand a little bit more of why mm -hmm. he's like that. Yeah. And so I'm very curious to see what this looks like. I, I know he's a really good defensive backs coach. I've watched him coach defensive backs at the Under Armour Future Fifty. I've yeah. watched him coach defensive backs. I know what he can do. Um, and then I, the, the questions for me were always, could he run a team at this level? And he took over one of the worst teams at this the level. Worst. The worst. <laughs> and he kept it, and he and he got a win over the team that was the runner-up for the national championship game. So I love to see it. Um, I, I, I like getting proven wrong. That's yeah. that's one thing folks are going to realize about me. Like, I don't, I'm not here to pretend like I know everything. I love getting proven wrong. I got proven wrong by, my, by UNC, the place I went to school. Yep. I got proven. I played football at UNC, and I said, "Man, South Carolina go get them." And all of a sudden, UNC comes out with sixteen tackles for loss, nine sacks. They had nine sacks, and they had seventeen sacks for an entire season. Got nine sacks in one game. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. Ain't no one see that coming. And your boy Mac Brown got his hundredth win, first yeah. coach to do it at two different schools. And by the way, he's still a Hall of Famer. The dude came yeah. out of retirement. To come back and come. Mac's great. I saw him at ACC Media Days, and it was very like I didn't play for Mac. I came in like three years after Mac, right? And he still was like, like I, I don't know why. Why does he know me? But it, it might be because of Kevin Best. I don't know. But he right. was like, Hey man, how you doing? Good job, man. Hey, go heels, blah blah blah. Like doing his Mac Brown thing, and he could have been faking the whole thing, but it felt real. Yep, that's the, <laughs> that's the authenticness of it, man. No matter what, it could be fake as hell. But yeah. you gonna, you gonna feel better after you leave hanging Bingo. out around. We got a tour. We we took a tour out there this past summer. My son was in nationals in Greensboro, so we rolled over there. I got nice. the entire tour of the facility. Mac uh, laid out the red carpet. He had uh, uh Searcy come back and give us the tour. So it yeah. was it was good, man. We had a great time, and they are building something over there in Chapel Hill. Back when, like when your days was over there, they're making it strong, baby. They're making no, it not, strong. Not my days. My days, we were terrible, my man. <laughs> we were bad. I told some. I was talking to my buddy that played at Illinois, and he said, "How many games y'all win?" Because Illinois ain't really good either. But he played at Illinois when they went to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Uh, when they had like Aurelius Ben and uh, Juice Williams. Juice Williams. Yeah. He said, "How many games y'all win in four years?" I said, four years, man. I said, "We won two. Six, that's eight. We won eight games in two years, and then I think it was three and three. So we won, what's four? We won fourteen games in two years, in four years. Fourteen games in four years, and he said, "Dang, y'all were sorry." And I was like, "Yeah, I know. That's why we had to get Butch Davis. <laughs> that's why you had to make some adjustments. Had we to had make to make some adjustments. Then we had to bring in Black Santa. Let's go." <laughs> there he is, my man, Michael Felder. Make sure you follow them at In The Bleachers. Mike, tell everybody what else you got going on, man. Oh, folks, check me out at In The Bleachers on, on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, make sure you also uh, check out the Substack. Um, it's felder.substack.com. It's a newsletter. I do it every week. And 
literally so far what we've got, I do four hard downs on Mondays. Mondays we do four hard downs. It was Tuesday this week because um, holiday. we had that holiday and the extra day. But we do four hard downs, four like really big questions going on to college football. I usually try to sneak some food in there or some parenting in there too. And then we do uh, – I'm tracking – hang on, let me pull this up right quick because I want to make sure I get the schools right. Here it is, Harsh. Okay, so I'm tracking – because of the new rules, I'm tracking plays per game. Okay. Yes. And, and time running and clock, right? And, and t- yes, I'm tracking plays per game and time per game. Uh, New Mexico, who was one of the worst teams at plays per game and time per game. Or, and by worst, I mean fewest. Fewest plays per game. Shortest time per game. I'm also tracking Army, another one of those same teams. But I also am tracking Texas Tech, Western Kentucky. And then in the middle, I have LSU, Michigan, and Miami as teams that, like, were kind of right in the middle of plays per game and time per game – or game time, how long it takes them to play a football game. Really hard to tell when you play games that are blowouts. But I'm going to do it every week just to make sure we have all this stuff tracked. And guess what? I don't need anyone to tell me about how to do it in a different way or some algorithm <laughs> – I'm just doing it by hand, and then I put it in the thing. The biggest thing for me is I got out of hours. I said, I'm done with hours. I'm just going to use minutes. Minutes are easy. Then you can divide it by 60, and then you're done. And, like, that's easy. And it makes sense to me. My wife looked at me. My wife, she's a teacher. She's a a math teacher, like, by nature, but she's just an elementary school teacher. Both of my parents are also math teachers. So when they hear this, they're going to be like, oh, my son's an idiot. <laughs> but it's hard to do hours and minutes together. Right. When it's easier if I just put them all in minutes, like 178 minutes for Miami. I understand how long that is. Yeah, that's 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 so, what I'm looking at. That's how <laughs> I do it. That's my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys don't have to do it. I'd have to do it. Right. Right. So let me make it easy for me. Man. I love it, man. I love All right. it. Make sure I'll be checking that out as well. You keep oh, and check out College Sports Now. We got to get you on College Sports Now, too. We're dotted. Let's do it. There we go. You let me know whenever we're ready. We're going to continue this. I'm going to try to get you at least once a month and, and kind of see good. where you're gauging everything. Awesome. I appreciate your time, brother. Thank you. Dude, it's always good. You take it easy. All right, bro. There he is, my guy, Michael Felder. I'm telling you, if you want to know anything about anything, he's got it going on for you. This dude does great work. Make sure you go and check him out in the bleachers on X, as he said. Uh, Also, check it out. He has done an amazing job with the food, too, because he's got all that going on. But before we get into everything, I want to give a special shout out to the folks over at Covert BK. It's nestled on 42 acres in the beautiful hill country in BK, Texas. They've also got 86 service bays throughout. So anytime you come in and you need to get things done, make sure you go to Covert BKs. It'll be a minimal wait time. They also have all kinds of autos that are over there. Whether you're looking for a Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, or even a Ram, they also have other locations for uh, Ford in Hutto and, of course, Ford Lincoln in Austin. They also got a Bastrop location. So if you're out in that area and you need and you're looking for a car, I had a buddy call me today. He's on his way to the Hutto location to try to pick out a new vehicle himself. Shout out to the coverts out there. Uh, make sure you go to covertbcave.com. You can get the latest specials and check out the inventory. The uh, Covert Auto Group does an unbelievable job. 
So we're going to continue the conversation about Texas going to Alabama and what's the expectations. My man, Michael Felder, let you know what he's seen is pretty much some of the same things that everybody was complaining about. But I wanted to talk a little bit about what we saw <clears throat> in Arlington yesterday. Let me just tell you this. As a baseball player and a guy that has been around the game for quite some time and had an opportunity to play with some really, really good players. I had one of my teammates, Tyrone Horn. He uh, ended up hitting for the home run cycle. He had a solo, two-run, three-run, and grand slam all in one game. And for, for him, that was an amazing feat. It was the, He was the first person ever in professional baseball to ever do that. I was the on-deck hitter, so he took all the ribbies from me. But what we were able to witness – this past, well, last night from Jose Altuve was something to behold. And before I get all the way into that conversation, and remember last week, the, the New York Yankees swept, swept the Houston Astros before they made their move to Arlington to get in there and play. And I think the reason why the mojo has changed for the Houston Astros. Yes, I know they're a talented team, defending World Series champs. They, they understand what it's like to be in these types of moments. But I think this is what changed it all for the Houston Astros. So tell us about that play and how. So tell us about that play and how it developed. <laughs> so pretty much I'm out here with my son. This is our first ever game. We just moved here to Houston literally in January. And I just wanted to make the moment special for him. As a father, I feel like it's my job to make sure that I give him the best moments. I apologize to the Astro organization. I didn't know it from y'all gotta understand when it's dropping down, it looked like it's coming directly to you. So I reached and my body went for what I know. But we did have a wonderful moment. Okay, so you reach out, and what was the reaction that you heard right after the play was over? The reaction was shock, disgust, happiness, <laughs> sweat, a little bit of lust, baby. You feel me? I was in there feeling kind of kind of hurt, but my finger still shaking a little bit. The ball way heavier with the gravity. I'm not going to lie to you. Charlie Ray, we're going to be on TV, baby! <laughs> so... Tell me, it looked like that you went away for a bit and then you came back. How'd you talk your way back? So, truthfully, Houston loves me and I love Houston. <laughs> and they yeah. cannot stop me from supporting the Astros. So what happened was, I almost had to give a bop, 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 bop real quick on them. But they wasn't listening, so I showed some love and they let me come back. They really were just trying to make sure that I wasn't hurt <laughs> and that making sure that we didn't go off the rails. So salute to the whole organization. Great staff. They made sure that I was healthy and I was enjoying the game. They wasn't even making it serious. I love it. I love it. That, to me, the Houston Asteroids and the way that they was going about it is the reason why I get to go back to my seat. Look, this thing, to me, is amazing. This is an amazing story. He, he just moved to Houston. He comes down. He's watching, first off, the, the Yankees put it on the Astros. Let's not get it twisted, Astros fans. Let's not get it twisted. You was getting that work uh, in from the New York Yankees. But when everything happened for that young man to bring his son to the game, and then he said he's going to put on for his city, he was putting the Houston loves on. And I think 
one person that loves him is Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve is doing some things that we all knew Jose Altuve was a good player, but we also know that he went through a little stretch at the beginning of the year where he was going through all these injuries. His average was low and everybody that I know was starting to panic a little bit. And I'm like, Jose Altuve is a 300 hitter in his career. 308 to be exact. Jose is going to be okay. Just let him get his work in. And over the last couple of weeks, he's been putting in that work. He's been putting in so much work that he became, on, th on Tuesday night, the, he became the first player to hit three home runs in a row in the first three innings of a ball game. Think about that. And then put back in there that he hit five home runs over his last two games. And then you add in there that he hit for the cycle earlier last week after Jeremy Pena was giving him crap for not having five hits in a game. The very next day, what does he do? He said, okay, Pena, I got you. Cycle. But this is the thing that we continue to talk about. At that time, Jose Altuve has been dealing with it. He only has 286, I mean, excuse me, 266 at bat. <clears throat> but as usual, he does his thing. 323 right now, he's got 15 home runs, 39 RBIs, and 30 stolen bases. And he's got a 976 uh, fielding percentage, I mean, on-base percentage. And let's not also forget that he's probably been one of the best players over the decade. He's got a lifetime average of 308 with 207 career home runs, 735 RBIs, and he's won the World Series two times for the Houston Astros. So to me, when you start looking at Jose Altuve and where you want to put him in the history books, and I know that there's a story out there that the Ast I mean, the Rangers um, broadcast was being very sarcastic about some of the things, talking about it's not that hard. The guy's got a dry sense of humor, so I'm not going to hold it against him. And I encourage everyone to kind of back up and listen to the context of it, because in reality, I really doubt that he was going to be that hateful in that situation. But I also want to say this series for the Houston Astros and what they've been able to do to turn it around and how they're looking at the Texas Rangers. And I know my man Lupe is on me. He says, let me show he says, Harge, I blame you for giving me hope in the Texas Rangers again. Listen, the hope was there. I was there. I saw it. It's not that they don't have the players. They're putting – well, last night they didn't put up runs. But they're putting up runs in the majority of these games. So when you look at what they're able to do, it's not been because of offense. It has truly been because of the defense – I mean, uh, because of the pitching – and more importantly, it's more on the bullpen aspect of it. Now, they, last night, they they brought in uh, Nathan Ubaldi, who was coming off of the IR. And we talked about that the day before and trying to figure out, like, what's, what's going to help. I thought this would be a help, but I didn't realize that he didn't even do a rehab start to get himself ready to go. Those are the types of things that you got to look at and say, okay, was this a rush? Was this panic? Did Bruce Bochy kind of say, oh, did he watch him pitch against uh, live batters 
against the Rangers, some of the guys that don't get a chance to play, and he had a chance to go out there and face them, and they thought that he pitched well enough against them to not send him out on a minor league rehab start? I don't know. Bruce Bochy, I'm not going to question him just like I wouldn't. I, did, I didn't really want to question Dusty Baker because he's forgotten more baseball than I know. Uh, but you also want to look at the fact and say, was this something that you needed to do at that time? Because it does change everything in that aspect. Because now you're looking at it. Tonight is going to be an all-time matchup. It's Justin Verlander for the Astros versus Matt Scherzer of the Texas Rangers. And both of these guys are former teammates, not only in New York this past year, but they were together for the Detroit Tigers. So they've been around. They understand what it's all about. They understand the game. But as you sit here today and you're getting ready to see if your team is going to be able to be one of the last one standings when it comes to playoffs, the Houston Astros look like they're going to be the ones to win the the West. Uh, Seattle is still there. They blew a, a they lost in a walk off last night. So you sit there and you're like, hmm. What can happen to these Texas Rangers where you're hoping to get your pitching back? Nathan Uvalde, even though last night was not a good look for him, you're hoping that he can find his rhythm again and get back on that mound and be another big piece for you because you know what Matt Scherzer is going to give you tonight. Max, Max and, and JV, this is going to be two first ballot Hall of Famers battling each other. Uh, Rumor had it that they weren't getting along in New York. So you got that kind of mentality. You got Verlander who won a World Series with the Houston Astros. And he knows that this is a very, very good team. And the other part about it is when you're pitching and you know that you got guys that can score runs for you, it makes it easy to go out there and throw. It makes it easy for you to be ready to put that work in and, and know that if I miss here or I can challenge some guys in situations where I normally wouldn't do that, then that changes the way that you go about it. There are sometimes you guys are, and you're not, you're having problems scoring runs. They get a little tight. They don't do certain things and they move the ball in certain areas. So there's a lot that can bring you out of the doldrums. Um, I'm looking for this game to be uh, one of those instant classics. I'm hoping for that. But let's be honest about it. Does it change the way that the season is going to end? Because here's the deal. This is the last time they, these two will play each other in the regular season. This is an opportunity for the Texas Rangers to kind of change their narrative because they have not been good over the last couple of weeks. I'm a, a matter of fact, they are – four and six in their last 10 games. The Astros are seven and three, which is, which is something to, to pay attention to, but are they going to be able to turn the corner to, to finish this race? I don't know. I don't know if they have enough guns. They brought up Ian Kennedy, former big league pitcher. They brought him up from AAA. They activated Ubaldi. They got some younger guys that have been coming in. You don't know what's going to happen in the bullpen. That has been my biggest question. You bring in Will Smith. You bring in Araldis Chapman. 
and neither one of them are able to close out on the back end, that's a problem. But you look at the Houston Astros, they're scoring a lot of runs. They haven't even really had to bring in a lot of pitchers from the bullpen or to even close out games because they've been putting up big numbers. We'll see what happens moving forward. But I'm excited for this game tonight. I'm excited to see how you're going to make those adjustments. And I'm excited to see how everybody's going to deal with this baseball season. Astros fans, get excited. You should be. You're, you're looking pretty right now. You're back in first place. I know my guy Ike yeah, is, is really, really excited about his Houston Astros, always has been and always will be. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the NFL. Obviously, the NFL starts Thursday night, tomorrow night, first NFL football game kicking off the season. The Super Bowl champion, um, Kansas City Chiefs, will be hosting the Detroit Lions, the Fight Lions, the Fighting Dan Campbells. And I know that uh, there's a report out there that says that Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee. I know a lot of people in fantasy football are freaking out. As I said, make sure you follow my man Wags at the Wagner Wire for all of his fantasy football uh, prowess. He will let you know who's hot, who's not, who's in, who's out. Just make sure you follow him. Make sure you follow everybody on this station, actually. Uh, you can follow me at Hardball Hards. You can follow at Texas Sports Unfiltered as well on all your uh, social media outlets. Want to give a shout out to Woods, Syntex Tickets, Last Stand Hats, Cobra BK, uh, Brain Vault, All Stab Beer, Relax the Back, Top Gun, uh, Rental and Lawn Equipment, and 7-Eleven. But I also want to give a shout out to our man, Tom McKay. Football season is upon you. You need to make sure that you have all your audio and visual needs uh, met. Call the folks over at AV Consultation. Please go to avconsultations.com or give them a call, 512-255-8678, and Tom can get you to hook up. Whether you want a theater or a sports uh, room set up or you just want to get some lighting, he has all that stuff for you. He will make it look beautiful. Make sure you holler at Tom McKay and the folks at AV Consultations. That's avconsultations.com. But yeah, as you get ready to watch uh, NFL football this weekend, remember I told you at the very beginning, everybody thinks that their team has a chance and that's where the excitement is until you don't. So always remember, just watch the games. Don't put too much stock in games one or two because there's so much to be desired there's so much to work out. And yes, they are playing at a very, very high level. But understand this. Don't panic. It will be okay. Just like right now. <clears throat> Travis Kelsey comes out. They say he hyperextended his knees. They don't know if he's going to be able to play. Fantasy football people are going crazy. But most importantly, the, the, the Kansas City Chief fans. I personally... I let him play if he says he can play. It's a hyperextension. It ain't torn if everything's in place. And Patrick Mahomes is the magician back there, but he has to have the sidekick. You always have to have it. And if you know anything about the Kansas City Chiefs, and you've seen it over the last couple of years, that security blanket that he walks around with, like Linus walking around with his blanket, is Travis Kelsey. So, yes, it's only one game, but you're getting your rings, you're getting honored, the banner's being raised. You want to go out and you want to get that dub. Now, if they come back and says that there's some damage in there and, you know, he needs rest, then obviously rest him. 
obviously rest him. He's going to be around. Travis Kelsey's tough. And I listened to Jason Kelsey on an interview, his brother talking about, yeah, I've done that before. While I was trying to cut a log, I was back out there playing. Nobody talks about the center. No, they always talking about the, the skilled players. Nobody talks about that offensive line until there's a problem. But Jason Kelsey believes that he's going to be okay. And I believe that too. I think they're both going to be okay. So let me ask you this. We talked to my man, Michael Felder. Special shout out to Michael Felder. Thank you for jumping on with us and uh, breaking down what you saw on the film for Texas. Uh, I think all of us saw a lot of the same things that he was talking about, especially getting to the line of scrimmage and, and the push up there. And if I came across him saying that the, the players did some things that were lazy or not, not ready to go, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant by that. I know that those guys put in the work. I told you that yesterday. There's not one day that those guys go out there and play the game and put in the work to be out there to say that they're 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 lazy. I didn't if that came across, I apologize for that right away because that is not what I meant by that. I just think that they made lazy steps. They didn't follow their training. They didn't do the things that was asked of them, which is why I believe coach Sark said this can all be corrected. And I firmly believe that, too. These are things that can be worked out, and they can be worked out pretty quickly, I believe. So as we sit today and we're looking at this game and previewing this game, and we'll continue to talk uh, more about this tomorrow, We'll have I might have another guest on, former Texas Longhorn football player who has been really amped up about this week. He's been talking to me about this week for the last month and what the importance is for the program, what he's seen and what he's expecting. So I'll be on the lookout for that for tomorrow. But I wanted to leave you with this. I wanted you to honestly sit back and think. Again, i give you one more day on this. What are your expectations this week? Win or lose? Obviously, we're going to put win in there. We're putting win. Win is that. We all understand we want Texas to win. But what do you take as a strength? And what do you take as a weakness? Last week, everybody was talking about the strength was the defense. Defense looked outstanding. The weakness was the push by the offensive line. Those are two things that I think the defense is going to be sustainable, but I also believe that the offense is going to get better. So I'm not going to buy too much into what we saw on that offensive line to the point that we don't believe that they're going to get better. We've got a possible first-round pick on that offensive line in Kelvin Banks. We brought back Christian Jones, a guy that has been at this program. I think this is going on his sixth season. We had a young player in DJ Campbell who was uh, dealing with some injuries himself. As you saw, he got hurt in the game, but then we didn't even have Cole Hudson come out and be able to play during that time either. So we can't always say that. And then of course you got Jack Majors at the center position by the way, shout out to Jake Majors with his uh, Lamborghini uh, dealership uh, NIL. Good work, big man. Not all linemen can get in Lamborghinis, but I see you working that thing, my brother. Um, so those are two of the things that I have a strength with and I have a negative with. But I think that both of them can be on the same level and be on the same uh, par. I love the fact of Tavondre Sweat. I think this is another one of those games for Tavondre Sweat where he – will have a chance to make himself uh, some money and put his name back into that hat because we know that he had a couple opportunities last year and people were talking about him. But I think this is another big game for him 
to be able to expand his portfolio because he's going to go against Alabama and those massive offensive linemen. Another player that I want to see take one more big step. I didn't see Jalen Catalan flash near as much. I have to go back and watch the game, but I didn't hear his name being called near as much as I would like because I know we're going to need him this week. A guy that came from the SEC that is going to be an impactful addition to the Texas Longhorn family, I think that he is going to be that guy, and I hope to see him make a bigger impact this week. I also want to see, last but not least, I want to see exactly what Jet Bush, I know, don't trip on me, dog. He was in the lineup, and he made some plays. I want to see him go sideline to sideline in this game and if he's going to be able to keep up. Don't know what the game plan is going to be for Alabama just yet. I don't know if uh, we're going to have that opportunity to be able to see those types of big plays, but I think that Jet Bush is one of those names that we need to pay attention to just because of the impact and how smart, intelligent he is. I don't think he's going to be that impactful, but I think that he is going to be a guy that we'll be talking about. Whether it's good or bad, I do not know, but we're definitely going to need to pay attention to that. Uh, before I let you go, because I see the guys are getting ready to jump in there, my man, Trey Ellie, What's up, Trey? How you doing? Harge, love the analysis just now. I feel the same way about David Benda, too. I apologize if you listed guys other than Jet Bush. Benda is one of those guys I'm going to be keeping a close eye on this weekend because he can uh, be a, a make it or break it because you know that that Alabama offense is going to target dudes who are less proven. Bad idea to go Jalen Ford's direction. Not many other directions you can go there. Yeah, and I appreciate you putting in David Bender because he's another one of those guys. Sideline to sideline, is that what you're going to be looking for, especially with a running quarterback like Jalen Milrow? And he's one of those tough, tough guys. What do you and BK have coming up on Trey and BK? We got a lot of fun today, Harge. That includes... BK wants to jump in right now. He's certainly welcome to. We're in this awkward stage between shows. We're all trying to figure out how to do this. But uh, no, we're going to talk about Stevens' comments on the Longhorns. Going to get into the Longhorns not finding their way into the top 10. When Jerry Jones speaks, you have to love it, especially if you are a Cowboys hater like myself. And then, of course, something <laughs> disgusting and where are we at in society? Well, I know y'all are going to definitely probably talk about that plane incident. I, I'm sure that that's out there because – Y'all like to talk about that kind of badness. I love it. I love guys, it. Guys, guys, am I wrong when I say that the first rule of shitting yourself is that you have to get rid of the underwear that you shit yourself in? I think is that, that would be – and it might be your pants too. You might need to get away. You might just be walking around with nothing. Leakage really matters with that second one. You're right about that, Hard. <laughs> uh, the first, hey, rule, the first rule of shitting yourself is don't shit yourself, fellas. Ding. Ding. Before I let y'all go, and turn it over to Trey and BK. Just remember this. Don't believe everything you see, because even salt looks like sugar. Peace.